0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match. preview. Newcastle head down to Villa Park to face Aston Villa 12.30 on Saturday in front of the BT cameras. And of course over on chroniclive.co.uk through our dedicated Match Live blog. As usual, I'm joined by John Gibson to look ahead to that game. But first off, we'll look back on the victory against Brentford to see if we can learn anything about what to expect against Aston Villa on Saturday afternoon. John, it was a hard-fought victory against Brentford, a very good side, Newcastle's second best in the first half, but whatever Eddie Howe said to them at half-time worked wonders, and Newcastle came away with all three points thoroughly deserved after that second-half performance. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be too extreme to say that's the worst we've played the first half, and that's the best we've played, the second half, uh, the contrast was as much as that. And at half time I was quite depressed because I was happy to go in one nil down. Because if you remember, when Tony had a goal choked off in about four or five minutes, correctly choked off, uh, there was another penalty which was badly taken by Tony and well saved by Pope. Uh, and then there was the penalty that never was, in my opinion. The exact one that he gave way. But we played so badly. We looked so leggy. The team looked as if it was playing its third match in no space of time whatsoever. And, you know, I wondered where the inspiration was going to come from. And you know what? When you think about it, I don't think it's what Eddie Howe said at half-time. I think it's what Eddie Howe did. Uh, His substitutions were absolutely magnificent because so often managers do the obvious, Andrew, when it comes to subs... They put like-for-like on. They take a centre-forward off and put a centre-forward on. They take a winger off and put a winger on, uh, etc., etc. He didn't. He changed the shape of the team completely. And early in the game, uh, which was brave, uh, some can say it was very necessary, which helped bravery because they were so second-best in the first half. But to put two centre-forwards on together... Uh, It made a lot of controversy, which is still going on. Can they play together or can they not? By Jove, the second half, I thought, showed they can play together because they terrorised Brentford. They made the difference, Isaac and Wilson. But the other significant thing was in bringing on Gordon, they were able to switch Joe Linton into centre midfield rather than wide left. And, you know, he's capable of playing in both positions extremely well. But his physicality, the height of him, the power of him in centre midfield breaks up things so well. And if, if I was afraid that when you play Callum Wilson and Isaac together, it leaves spaces elsewhere that can be exploited by the opposition, then when you put Joe Linton in the centre of midfield with his physicality, he is a buffer for those spaces. He he controls that situation. And I thought Wilson did brilliant. Gordon did brilliant. Joe Linton in there did smashing. And Isaac showed what a good striker he is by the way he finished for what turned out to be the winning goal.
0: Yeah, tremendous goal. And that... For me, is why Joe Linton has to start in the center of the park. We've discussed it plenty of times when he's come back from suspension as well, John. Um, Yeah, we've had a bit of debate. For me, he has to start in that center midfield because, like you say, the physicality that he has, he's an absolute unit in the center of the park. And when he's on form, as he has been recently, uh, you know, he's one of the best center midfielders, I think, in the Premier League. And some people might be saying, Are you crazy saying that? But you know, I genuinely believe from a defensive point of view. You know the way he rattles the opposition is, is absolutely fantastic and great to see
1: him adding goals to his game as well. He's a, he's a bit like Patrick Vera. Um, I, I mean, I know that can sound crazy as well because he was an invincible and he was on the world stage with France, etc. etc. But you can see that in him physically and in other ways that he is, uh, on that sort of wavelength. And I think he's very important. It, you could argue he's the best outside left we've got and he's the best centre midfielder we've got, except that Bruno's a different type of player. Um, and Bruno's found it tough at the moment, as you probably saw uh, before the game. He looked as if he came off during the warm-up before the game and his, his ankle was obviously bothering him and he's still carrying that and he wants to get to the end of the season and get a good rest in his body to come back as the old Bruno we know. But having his mate alongside him in the second half, Joe Linton, off made a difference of the load that Bruno was having to carry. And he was absolutely terrific. And we've got a few wide players now. So we can't afford to move Joe into the centre of midfield because you've got, I know at the moment Almirin's injured and Miggy, I think, will be injured for going down to Aston Villa. But you've got Murphy, you've got Gordon. Um, they can't play in the wide positions at Villa. Um, so, you know, I'm with you. I would draw their play, Joel, in, in the centre of midfield because when he's out wide, his physicality is less important. Because he's a, a left winger, you don't have to be an 8 foot 6 left winger, like you don't have to be an 8 foot 6 left back, by the way. Uh, you don't need two giants on that side of the pitch, but you do need them in the centre of, of the park, be that up front, midfield or centre half, and he's terrific at that, Joel.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how he handles John McGinn, Douglas Louise, two quality Premier League players who are kind of forming a really good partnership in the middle of the park for Aston Villa, and we'll get on uh, to Villa in a moment. But you mentioned there the subs that Eddie Howe made at half-time. And What I'm really loving about Eddie Howe, and there are many things that he's very impressive about, but it is not fear in making early substitutes. You know, we saw it in the final. It wasn't working. Sean Longstaff goes off. Isaac comes on. We've seen it throughout the season when that when changes have had to be made, he is ruthless in doing so. And again, there... Half-time brings off Sean Longstaff, brings off Murphy, who've had very good weeks leading up to this game and didn't necessarily do anything wrong in that first half, just were as bad as everybody else on that pitch. They were just the two that were sacrificed. But no room for sentiment, takes them off for the benefit of the team, and it works. I'm just loving that when it needs to change it, he doesn't hold back because we've had other managers, Steve McLaren for one, who would wait for ages to make substitutions when it wasn't working so it's good to see the same as well
1: it's good to see it actually you know yeah yeah. happening when it needs to do and as i said earlier it's good to see that the changes aren't like for like because while they can work if you have a poor center forward and you put on a sharp one in the main if you if you're losing and you don't change your pattern of play then it's going to continue in the same vein as it was in and managers tend to be safety first and go like for like changes with their subs this wasn't like for like at all uh and it was it was very early we have mentioned in recent podcasts it's wonderful that uh Eddie's got that situation now where he's got a decent bench at least in an attacking formation not defensively necessarily, but in attack and formation where you can mix and match and, and change things. And I've always said that about Eddie, you know, he, look, he looks like a little choir boy. He's a would wooden melt in his mouth. He's so politically correct that if you he, he ask any question in a press conference about a player, that player is a great player and absolutely invaluable to the team and to the squad and to Eddie personally and to every Jody that's ever lived. And we get all that sort of situation, which is great man management. And then it comes to half time, and it's you and you getting the bath. You're not going out second off. You and you get out there and make it work. And there's no question. It wasn't what was said in Brentford that worked. It's what he did, because doing that changed things. And yes, it has been tough if you like on Murphy and Longstaff. Funny enough, I was I just ghosted the Supermax column for the Chronicle, in in which. His Saturday morning column was paying tribute to Longstaff and Murphy as two unsung heroes of Newcastle that had done so well. And our kidded Supermarket, of course, that he put the jinx on them because by half-time they disappeared. But it wasn't – he could have brought four or five off, you know, Andrew. It wasn't they were the worst two. It was the two that had a go to change the shape of the team. But we looked very leggy. I thought it was one match too far, you know, at half time. I thought it's it's caught up with this, and this is one match too far. But the change in shape, the fresh legs that come on, the impetus that gives us, the shock it give Brentford, who had to go mm. on to the back foot. Work to treat for us In Brentford, they'd only lost at home to Arsenal The runaway leaders you know. Before they lost to Newcastle So that's how big a win it was um, And it was terrific to see And I think While Joe Linton's got a lot of credit And while Wilson's got a lot of credit Because everybody's looked At Lins- uh, Wilson and Isaac And said, yes, I can't play together Wilson had the assist on Isaac's goal Wilson scored a good goal himself In our mutual friend var decided otherwise as they decided isaac had given away a penalty never in a month or sundays but i think under the radar as well is is the performance of gordon who come on and look to play um and i think long term anthony gordon is going to be a very big asset to newcastle it it takes people when they first come here a while to break in because it, it's almost as if Eddie says, you know, we've spent a lot of money for you, but you're not going to just be automatic here because of that, mate. You're going to have to earn your place in the site. He made Bruno wait a long time, if you, if you remember, uh, when Bruno first come. He certainly made Isaac wait a long time, even though he had that injury. He still made him wait when he come back from the injury before he got in the side. And Gordon's career so far has been stuttering initially because of um, being League Cup tied and then a little knock. And... Um, you know, the, a, a lot's been made of the Gordon skirmish and silly lad, the the tantrum, or alleged tantrum when he when he was substituted right at the death. And um, okay, it, it it wasn't the best thing to do, but he's a young lad. We've all been Ben's. Did we do everything politically correct, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? I mean. He, Even you were younger than you are now Uh, Once uh, It's a long time ago for me But I can still remember Young people in the spotlight Can make mistakes And I would prefer to say That that was forgivable Because he's young He's desperate to impress He hasn't had the start That he could have wished for In terms of um, starting games regularly Etc, etc And he just wants to impress the crowd Eddie. And the team and do well. And I think long term, he will do well. As I've said on here before, he's an Eddie Howe type of player.
0: Yeah, got a big future ahead of him, hopefully, at Newcastle United. And in terms of the substitutions we saw at half time against Brentford and the start 11 that we're likely to see against Aston Villa, I mean, <laughs> you can never second guess Eddie Howe, as we see all the time. I mean, Steve Howe was on boots in Newcastle. Uh, prior to the game against Brentford, and he said exactly the same. You, you can never guess the team that Eddie Howe is going to put no. out. Um, do we think it'll be another kind of surprise starting eleven against Villa, or do you think it'll lodge? I mean, first of all, let's talk about the formation because, as you say, the substitutions change the shape of the team. Sure. Will Eddie Howe set up as he usually does from the off against Aston
1: Villa? I think Eddie Howe will. I, I think a lot of fans would say, we were so scintillating in the second half, and where did that come from? Let's go with that system again, which would mean picking Callum Wilson and Isaac in the same forward line and playing Joe Linton in the same role on the shoulder of Bruno. I don't think he'll do that. But that's me trying to second-guess him, not me saying what I would do. I don't think that he'll start with Callum Wilson and Isaac, for example. Um, I think he'll start with Isaac and then bring Callum Wilson on in the second half. But, I mean, you can't second-guess the guy. I mean, you really can't. Apart from those three players, what's he going to do out wide? Well, we know he hasn't got Miggie and we know he hasn't got um, Almiron. Uh or sorry, Maxi or Almiron. Um, so what's he do out there? I mean, he could play Joe Linton outside left, he could go for Murphy with Gordon. Um, he's got Anderson in reserve. It's almost impossible to guess the you know, front on. And then there's the other question, Andrew. If he puts Joe Linton in the center of midfield, who does he leave out? Is it Sean Longstaff or is it Joe Willock? Um I think it would be
0: Sean Longstaff. I think that's probably the one change I would make. I don't think anyhow will, but that's the one change I would make is put Sean Longstaff out of the side, you know, rest him, put Joe Linton into the middle alongside Bruno and Willick because Willick's the one who gets the goals. Bruno's the one that unpicks the opposition and Joe Linton's the one that just runs straight through them. And then on the wings, it is an interesting, and it's such a shame that you haven't got St. Maxman Fit for this game because you'd be up against you would think Ashley Young who for all he's a good player is slightly hurting on a bit and you know I'd give him a good go at outpacing maybe or uh, maybe that's a little bit optimistic but St Maxim certainly would so whoever plays out on that left side is going to have a really interesting battle against Ashley Young and you want it to be someone who's direct you want it to be someone who likes running with the ball. Gordon, Gordon's
1: quick you know yeah, do, do we do we think it will be Gordon? Well, I've, I've got a feeling it could be Gordon. I would like to think it would be Gordon. But, um, what I mean, what does he do? Trying to second-guess him. Does he go with his normal side? Would he, will he go with just Isaac up front? And will he play Joe Linton in the centre? I know where we think he should play, but where does he think he should play? Will Joe Linton go out left-wide and him go with the usual three in midfield? I would hope not. I would put Joe Linton in and go with Gordon. But will he start Gordon, having having given him a bit of a cold shoulder at the end of the ninety minutes at uh, Brentford? It's interesting. I would tend, if it was me, to go with Joe Linton, to go with Isaac as a one-up top, or I would personally like to see the two together and and play Gordon, who's quick, against Ashley Young. I would. So as I say, Joe Linton in the middle.
0: Gordon on the right, potentially. And then maybe Isaac starting over on the left with Wilson up front. Because I think what Isaac did was essentially he just had a kind of a free role in that setting off. He was all over the, the
1: you know. Yeah, the but start. you can only play Wilson as a centre forward. Yeah. Through the middle, centre forward. You can ask Isaac to do other things. But Wilson is what he is. In old fashioned through the middle, back to goal run the channels, bring other people in to play centre-forward. So Isaac's the one that's got to... And I would love to see Isaac uh, play out there because it would mean Isaac starting with Wilson. And they're both in a hot goal-scoring streak. And who else is in the team, taking the fact that Miggy is out the team? Uh, so I would love that to happen. I just somehow don't think the way Eddie Howe talks about the pair of them that he'll start them both in the in in a front three, at Villa, not to start with, but I would yes I would be happy to see Isaac playing uh, on the left side and uh, the other guy in the right and Wilson through the middle. But if he does indeed keep the the shape he usually
0: plays, let's not forget Elliot Arneson, because he came off the bench against Brentford, arguably should have had a goal against Brentford. It was an easy save in the end. But again, looking lively, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what the future holds for Elliot Anderson. and does he stay next season or does he go out on loan? And personally, I'd like to see him stay and get a little bit more game time because if you if you send him out on loan, you've then got to go out and buy a player at his level. Well, what's the point in that? Because then he'll be back in a year's time, probably having not impressed, and then you you know you've yeah. then got a player who's just sure. as good as that. So you know what I mean? I'd keep him, but I could. I wouldn't be against him starting, actually, on,
1: on Saturday against Florida on the left. No, I, I'm a big Anderson fan, as you know, but I don't think there's a, a, a cut in much its chance of him starting on Saturday. No? Uh, from, from the manager's point of view, no. Uh, not from the ability, etc. He, he's not going to start him before Gordon or Murphy, I think. At this stage, he, he tends to go with people that he trusts that's got a bit of experience brandson has got a fabulous future. I wouldn't get rid of him next season whatsoever. It'll be another step in the right direction for Elliot next season. He will start and break into the Newcastle side, whether it's later this season or much more likely next season, wide left. But he'll end up as a centre midfielder uh, when he gets a bit more experience on him and a bit more premier league toughness on him i think he'll play as a center midfielder which is what he is really but i think he'll play wide left is is it a more gentle introduction Uh, and he's got a terrific future i don't think he will start i don't mean he shouldn't i just don't think he will start at aston villa i think he's back of the grade at the moment a little bit he needs to get on earlier to get more time, you know, like there were substitutions at half-time If he got on at half-time after 60 minutes quite regularly That would put a lot of experience under his belt Rather than the last five or ten minutes And um, But you know what, Eddie can do what he likes Because everything he touches turns to gold at the moment And you know what, the thing he won't do is mess about with the, the back four Because he dislikes doing that He'll play the back four as a back four for the rest of this season, until the summer comes, and he might change something in the summer. Well, in fact, he will. Uh, but he'll play the. He wants the back four to thoroughly understand themselves inside out. Have you noticed we're talking about all the changes? We we'll never talk about a change at the back because there isn't going to be a change at the back, because he doesn't want a change at the back. And his simple answers, look at that uh, league table, which says, what, 20 game, twenty goals conceded in 28? Nobody's anywhere near that. So that will stay the same, and the changes are elsewhere. They do face a very good Villa side,
0: and they do face a very good player in Oli Watkins up front. So... Fabian Scher, Sven botman they're going to have a busy time with it because Watkins is in the form of his life. He looks like a real, really good striker. You can see why he's in the England squad. Um, Unai Emery's kind of revitalised. I mean, he wasn't performing under the previous kind of couple of managers, but whatever Emery's done, we're going to treat for Villa. How big of a challenge is it going to be for whether it is Botman, whether it's Cher to keep him quiet?
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. But... When you're in the Premier League, there's always that. It was who's going to keep Rashford quiet when we're playing Manchester United. Ivan Tony wasn't seen as a slouch before we played at Brentford. It was who's going to keep him quiet. Now, who's going to keep Ollie Watkins quiet? And then next week, who's going to keep Harry Kane quiet when when Spurs come up here? Um, This is the Premier League. It's chock full of good scorers. But, of course, we've got two in the form of their lives at the moment, in Isaac and Wilson. Let them worry about how they're going to deal with those two guys because that's true. He has... Emery is so much like how, I don't mean in his way of management or his style, or, but in the, what he produces at clubs. What he's done to Villa... This season is equivalent to what Eddie did in his first season At Newcastle And and it's continued I mean we have won five games on the bounce We've won the last two away Scoring seven goals In those two games Emory has won 11 of his 17 matches He's got six victories And a draw in his last seven games That's how, and Villa are now On the Outside looking in for one of the minor European places Haven't been in a relegation fight when Emory came And what gives it all the more spice, of course Is that Emory was going to come to Newcastle Before Eddie Howe and didn't So that gives it a great comparison on, on Saturday And again, he's taken a leaf out of the Eddie Howe book Eddie Howe come here and revitalised Joe Linton In Shaw and Miggy Almiron and this guy has done it with Mings And uh, various players down at Villa And none more so than Ollie Watkins Who scored nine in his last 11 games He's got his arm around him and told him Listen, you are one of the great centre-forwards Etc, etc And now a guy can't stop And it's a terrific fight, you know Because there's, there's Watkins for them Against Pope Penalty saver at Brentford And the goalkeeper behind the best defense in the premier league and in england international so there's ollie watkins against pope and and there's there's our two isaac and wilson against martinez who who won the world cup with argentina and while would appear to be a crackerjack in 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 some of the things he did he's a huge shot stopper he's an excellent shot stopper he's a good goalkeeper so there's great centre forwards against two good goalkeepers it's a fascinating game and for me it's always been earmarked as the danger game more than brentford and i think i said last week when i said i think we'll win at brentford and you come around to thinking exactly the same thing and more both right but you know and other games we've had recently, Manchester United up here. The game in my mind that was going to be a real test because of the way the two teams are going was Aston Villa v. Newcastle. And this is the Blue Ribbon game. And you wouldn't have thought that recently when Newcastle were going to be at home to Manchester United and then a few weeks later we're going to be at home to Spurs. The the team's up in the top five. But I think Aston Villa's the, 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 the intriguing game. Certainly
0: going to be an interesting one, and we've mentioned there, you know, Watkins on on really good form, but McGinn and Douglas Louise. I mean, Newcastle were tentatively linked to Douglas Louise back in January, and he's been linked to nearly every top team in the Premier League. He looks like a real player as well. McGinn back amongst the goals, and you know, Jacob Ramsey, uh, Brianda, and I mean, I think Leon Bailey will be missing. He came off with a hamstring injury, I think, Um, but Mm. they've got talent all over the place, and. As, much, as good as Newcastle had to be against Brentford, who I think are a really good side, I agree with what you're saying there, John. I think they're going to have to be, at worst, as good as they were against Brentford, but probably a little bit better to, to get all three points here.
1: Yeah, they'll have to be as good as they were against Brentford in the second half. If, there's, if they're the same as they were against Brentford in the first half, they'll get tanked. But, you know, they'll be sitting down there Right now, as we are sitting up here on Tyneside, and they'll be saying, well, I tell you what, that midfield, Bruno, is some player, and Joel Linton's a colossus, and Willick works hard and scores goals, and they'll be saying the same about us. This is the wonderful setup. It's Ollie Watkins against Pope. It's our two against Martinez. It's the midfield against the midfield. It's Emery against Howe. There are matchups all over the pitch and on the side of the pitch that are absolutely fascinating. And throw into the mix that Aspenville and Newcastle fans don't exactly love each other and don't have a history of, of kissing each other, the, the sob and the time jibe and all that sort of thing. And um, it is an intriguing, fascinating. Um, Irritating, potentially marvellous match, and the other bit of spice about it as well. My
0: father-in-law is a Villa fan. Well, so... there,
1: you, there you go. And and you've got to remember that they've got royalty on their side. Two future kings were at the last match: William and young Master William, Minor William, uh, Aston Villa fans. But I tell you what, and kick off. That doesn't matter. By the end of the game, William might want to be a Newcastle fan.
0: <laughs> we talked about their form lately um but out of the last 6 games that um they've played John they've got they, you know they've faced five teams in a relegation fight so you know while they're third in the form table 16 points from the last 6 games five of those games i say they're against teams fighting for their lives so You know, some people will say, well, that makes it a tough game because them teams are fighting to stay in this this league. However, they're down there for a reason. And, you know, Crystal Palace um, and, you know, Notting Forest, they're fighting for their lives. But dear God, they're not exactly brilliant. So maybe their running's been slightly easier when you look at
1: the teams that play to Newcastle. Uh, I'm sure it has. And this is going to be a test for them and it's going to be a knife edge you know it's going to be who gets the first goal what conference comes to something unexpected happen i mean nobody if you from newcastle's point of view nobody could have anticipated that first half performance at Brentford. i think it shocked us all we were so average nobody could have anticipated that and after that first half performance While we were having a cup of tea at half time Nobody could have anticipated how much We would dictate the second half So you don't know what's going to come your way But both these sides have earned the right I'll tell you something This Newcastle United side And this Aston Villa side And these two managers in charge Will terrify the so-called Elite Six Because next season Villa will be up with us on our having edipities, and if Liverpool and, and Chelsea don't pull the socks up, they'll be the two going out the elite six, and Villa and Newcastle will be the two going in the elite six because it's not going to be elite six anymore, it's going to be eight, or, or, or somebody's going to drop out. Who expected it to be Chelsea and Liverpool this season? Have they got enough about them? Has Klopp got enough? Desire left in his tank after seven years at Liverpool to turn this round completely, and he's got to turn around an aging squad And an aging club and get right signings in the summer to do that. Has he got the stomach to do that? Where would Liverpool be now without the six points we give them? Goodness gracious me, you know. It, so can they do it? Chelsea with a footcake on in them. And and it's throw all the, the the confetti in there and let's see where it lands and, and, and hope it works. Will there be a force on the financial clout they've got? They ought to be, but if you if you're going to have you know um, an owner that wants to be the manager and wants to be the chief scout, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, then it's not so automatic. It's going to be fascinating. But Aston Villa are quite capable of being up there with us next season. I I think there's no question about that. How much will the fact that this is
0: now Newcastle's third away game in a row play on the outcome on Saturday? You know, a lot of traveling. I know they didn't come back after the West Ham game, but so they stayed down. But a lot of traveling away from home. But hey, it doesn't seem to be impacting them at the moment. But will it? Will it come half twelve on Saturday? You know, when
1: I looked at the after we won at home. The last home game and i looked at three away fixtures i never said nine points out of nine will be absolutely fabulous and and then expect it so we're almost on a bonus with two wins i mean if we drawed really seven points out of nine in about two weeks on the road three games would be absolutely fabulous there's no question about that. And would it be two points dropped? Well, when you're in this position we are in in the table, everything's a few points dropped. It was like Arsenal when they suddenly only got a draw at Liverpool. It was two points dropped. But if we get a draw at Villa, that stops Villa keep sneaking up behind us because they, they haven't got one over on us. And then if we then smack Spurs at home next week, we're back cooking for that. That Champions League position. So the first thing we've got to do is not lose a villa. And if we can win, that would be absolutely terrific. I mean, nine points out of nine, three of successive away games, it would be nothing short of sensational. Seven would be, seven would be. I've seen a lot of people on social media already
0: saying, you know, the the big game is the Spurs game in a week's time. So wow. how important is it that actually Newcastle and Eddie Howell, they don't think
1: like that. They're thinking sorely about Saturday afternoon against Villa. Yeah, and so they should be. Um, and that's why I believe if we get a draw, that is a terrific result. Because we've had five wins on the belt. We've had the two away. I'm not meaning we play for a draw. You can't play for a draw. That's the biggest myth. If you play for a draw, you lose. Because you can't do it for an hour and a half. And the, that the other side's only got to score one and you've lost. You don't play for a draw. I'm just meaning if we've got a draw. We play for a win. We went to Brentford and played for a win. Only Arsenal had won, there, eh? not and, they? And we'd already had a, a, a win in West Ham. So, but we went there and played for a win and got it. Um, so we play for a win. But yes, Spurs is going to be big. Because it's the one after that. And they are really around us. But in a way, I think Villa at home will be more difficult than Spurs playing away, us at home. I think this will be the more difficult test. We've already won at Spurs this season, and I think we can, with with difficulty and with huge effort, we can beat Spurs at home. So the big thing for me is don't lose
0: at Villa. Mm. Are, are you pinching yourself, John, when I say to you that Newcastle are now going after
1: six wins on the bounce? Oh, I, I mean, I'm red raw. I've pinched myself all season. It, it it has been incredible and been absolutely wonderful. I mean, three defeats all season in the league. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, there's only Arsenal that can, and they're top of the league. There's only Arsenal can get anywhere near that. It is quite incredible. I mean, Man City have lost more in the league, and they're the champions four four years out of five, and could well be champions again now after what happened with Arsenal and I mean Man United have lost the power load and uh, uh, Spurs have lost the power load and you don't want to go to Chelsea and Liverpool because they're mid-table sides now I can't believe where Newcastle are and I can't believe Chelsea and Liverpool are mid-table it's wonderful and I can't believe what's happening at the bottom because I don't care and I, I never look there because it doesn't involve us and I'm sick of looking at the bottom of tables it's lovely to look at the top you know you if, you, if you're if you standing at the bottom of Everest, you look up towards the top, don't you? You don't look at the bottom and think, what's it like down here? You look at the top of Everest because that's where all the glory is, etc., etc. And that's what I'm doing this season and every Newcastle fan's doing. And it's absolutely fabulous. You see the reaction of the away fans on these trips. I mean, they're so full of joy. And then you go into St. James's Park with 52,000 in the war flags and the atmosphere. Is great. I mean, it's not so long ago, it was a poison chalice. And, and uh, Mike Ashley, the, the best supporters in the world were absolutely fed up to the back teeth and didn't want it anymore. In the atmosphere, at best was flat and at worst was poisonous. It is now a celebration uh, every game, home and away. And that is terrific. And we're in the home straight now. Single-figure matches left to be played. Let's see it out and see where it takes us.
0: Yeah, it's certainly going to be a, a very enjoyable end to the season, I feel. Uh, you said there you're not looking at the bottom of the table, and it is lovely to see Newcastle at the right end of the table. But I do want to ask you just briefly, John, yeah. about John Joe Shelby at Nottingham Forest. You mentioned there Villa beating Nottingham Forest last weekend largely thanks to a helping hand from John Joe well, Shelby and unfortunately for John Joe his arrival uh, I mean it was it was applauded he was going to be the man that was going to you know help them to safety but since then it's not gone quite to plan it was a, it was a shocking clearance that led to Villas uh, opening goal against well, Forest yeah. and he's not having the best of
1: time down at the city my Guard. my preview in the chronicle uh, in my column my written column on friday saying that we've got to pray that no newcastle united player is as generous as the old newcastle united player was last time i mean he's standing in his own box the ball comes out to him with no challenge and he passes it directly to the foot of an unmarked player who's just got to pass it into the net now it may be that Nottingham, by the way, Nottingham Forest on the road are hopeless anyway, so they need something like that, like a hole in the head. But you know, you say that he was going to be the man to do this at that near that Forest, and Forest just sign everybody. They just hoover up the whole of what's around the Premier League in his Bible. But I tell you what, I I was delighted when we sold them, Chris Wood and John Joe Sewell because chris wood could never do it and shelby was gone on his shelf life without his shelby was one pace can't get round the the ground He, he is not everybody talks about the hollywood passes that wasn't the hollywood pass by the way but on top of that he can't get round the pitch he's not a modern day player and i was delighted when he went out the club um, not being awful about the man himself But just talking about ability If we are going to get better Then we're well beyond Wood And we're beyond Shelby And we'll be beyond one or two of these in the future But but their fans have turned on They, they were beginning to turn on Chris Just before his injury The Forest fans And say he's one pace He doesn't score enough goals They've certainly turned on Shelby Even before that mistake uh, at Villa Has, has been yesterday's sort of man, a trundler. Um and football's harsh. They they are yesterday's men at Newcastle, and so will a few more be come this summer. Not the regular starters in this side, I isn't add, but some of the fringe players. And um yes, I mean it's hard enough at Villa with the form of Villa's in, but Forrest against all the odds when they're a poor away side are are at not, not and that, that that happens, and it's good night and it, that's the sort of thing that'll get the Forest manager the sack mm, You don't want to gift them, you don't want to gift any Premier League side a goal like that, nope. especially not
0: one in good form, yeah, speaking to people who, who cover Forest, who fo- follow Forest, they've raised doubts about Shelby's defensive capabilities and as you have mentioned there, the pace and stuff, so we're probably seeing just why um, Newcastle United said goodbye to him in January, but like you say, brilliant Newcastle don't have to concern themselves about results down the bottom of the table. It is all about the top four.
1: John, how is this one going to go against Aston Villa? Well, I've spent the whole of the time, as you know, when you've asked that question for about five, six, seven weeks, saying Newcastle win, Newcastle win, Newcastle win, and meant it. And and you know, perhaps at home in Manchester United Oh a bit of a punt on Newcastle win But certainly Newcastle to win it At West Ham who were good At home but not away And they win 5-1 And Newcastle win at Brentford Ambitious but reflecting The feeling of Geordie's I'm going to change it This week deliberately I think Newcastle will draw And I will be delighted For it's asking a lot To win three on the trot for that, in and in a short space of time, and we look very leggy in the first half against Bre- uh, Brentford, and very brilliant in the second half. And um, Villa are as good in opposition as we will face at the moment, um, and I would be absolutely delighted with the win because I do think we'd beat uh, Spurs the next week, and uh, it stops. Uh, Aston Villa getting any Wild thoughts about They can even catch us No they can't, let's peg them back I think it, it'll be a draw uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for a win I'm going to go for three points against Villa Well there you go You never know what wildness you're going to do You talk yourself into A, a defeated uh, Was it Brentford or West Ham? And then suddenly changed it right at the end and said, No, we'll win. And was, Oh, yeah, you took a draw against West Ham. Yeah. That's right. And then you you talked yourself into the worry at Brentford that I've got about Villa, but suddenly went for a win. I think there's more chance of a win for Newcastle than a win for Villa, but I do think it'll be a draw and I do think it'll be difficult. I'm going to go for a win because of the way they performed in the second half. It wasn't
0: kind of a, a hit and run on on Brentford. It wasn't like they got all three points. Luckily, in that second half, they thoroughly overran Brentford and deserved to get all three points. Whereas, I think if it was maybe a bit of a hit and grab on on Brentford, maybe the confidence uh, and the the feeling within the dressing room wouldn't be as high. But just simply because they were brilliant in that second half, and it was like actually this is the level we can perform at, we should be performing at. I think that means their spirit, their confidence will be through the roof. And I'm going to go for a win. It's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a brilliant game for the neutral. But I'm going to go for a Newcastle win. So fingers crossed
1: there. I'm correct on that one. Yeah, I certainly hope you are. I think the, the confidence will be very high in the Villa dressing room as well, of course. And that's what's going to make it a fabulous game. That's what's going to make it a good, good game. And it will be tight. Nobody's going to win 5-1, either side. Uh, I I think it's going to be close Um, And I just hope That you know Wasn't it lovely that it was the right way around Against Brentford because we ended up Full of optimism If we played them off the park first half And scored two and been two nil up And then had been rubbish in the second half And they'd scored one and were still one two one we would feel a lot different to what we are it was the right way around because we finished the game in some style and by far the better side and we're carrying that on Um, it's as much physical isn't it it, it, it at the moment you know uh, all these away games on top of each other it's as much physically mental physically tiredness i mean as much as physically tired uh but What's going to happen is whatever the scores at half time, I'm not going to lose faith because Eddie will come up with something incredible. He'll come up with something in the team before the start that'll raise that little eyebrow. I think Ancelotti, you know that famous eyebrow, of his, the only one goes up. I think it's it's he developed that by watching Eddie's team sheets, and um, but I think the the team sheet will produce a little surprise, and the half time might do so as well. But bottom line. We come back with something in the kit bag, whether it's 1.3, sets us up nicely for Spurs. It certainly would do. John, thank you
0: as always for coming on to the match preview. This has been the everything is black and white podcast hit that follow button on your podcast provider whether that's apple spotify wherever you listen to us through and leave us a rating and review as well head over to chronicle for all the latest newcastle united news and as well we're over on youtube at the everything is black and white podcast There's plenty of video content over on there that you won't see anywhere else on our social media channels. so go over there hit subscribe on that as well. Enjoy the rest of your week and do head over to the website, as I say, for all the latest Newcastle United news.